I'm excited about going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. I, I can't imagine a better time for us uh, in the year than, than now to, to, kick it, to kick off our year going into uh, 21 days and, um, and just setting aside a time and a season uh, for God to move and work in our life. Uh, about eight years ago, uh, Kelly and I had the conviction to um, to implement this as a part of our uh, regular calendaring year for us as a church. And uh, really, it was kind of birthed out of the fact that if we really wanted God to do what he wanted to do in the midst of this church, uh, that it would need to have kind of a, this pray first mentality that like everything that we do, let's begin with prayer, uh, including the year. And throughout the, throughout the time, the years of doing this, uh, we've kind of gone back and forth in how we've implemented this. There's been times where uh, we've done it in January where it's prayer and fasting, and then we do it again in August where it's just prayer uh, because we already fasted. And, uh, and then there's been times where, uh, to be honest with you, it's been a little discouraging in moments, and I'm just going to be a little vulnerable with you this morning that... Uh, you know, pastors are some of the most insecure people that I know. And, uh, and part of the reason is because the, a lot of their uh, validity and their value uh, internally comes from <laughs> you. And uh, you're super disappointing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That, that sounds awful. No, there's just that you build up expectations and you build up like, uh, you implement things as a part of the church because you hear from God. And, uh, and then when there's not the response that you, you've built up in your mind, it can be at times discouraging. And, uh, and I'm not saying this in any sense of, of guilt or um, like a guilt trip to get you to participate in 21 days. Uh, I'm just being honest with kind of the, uh, the culmination of, of how we got to this point of re-implementing this back into the life of our church. And and because uh, there was a, a time at which uh, we would actually open up the doors at 6 a.m. Uh, every day for 21 days, uh, expecting people to come and set aside that hour for prayer. Uh, and I think somewhere in my head, I just had this picture that, that it was going to look like this, that the whole church was going to come at 6 a.m. and uh, commit that time to prayer. And that did not happen. Um, there was a handful of us that were committed to that. And, uh, and again, like it's, you, you build up these expectations and, and I just want to temper that personally this year, but I also don't want to waver from, uh, from the hope and the encouragement to participate in this as a church, because I know what it can do in your life. Uh, it even got to a point, uh, one year where we decided that, uh, we just weren't going to do it anymore. It wasn't going to be a part of our, our calendar year, that, that we weren't going to do 21 days of prayer and, and fasting. And, and honestly, I can tell you that it was the worst decision I've ever made as a pastor uh, because I, uh, I allowed my own insecurities or maybe my own frustrations to get in the way of what really God had mandated to me and how I lead uh, us as a church. And so, you know, I've since repented of that, and, uh, and I don't, as long as I'm the pastor here, and, and I hope that's for uh, much longer, 
uh, we will continue to do 21 days of prayer and fasting every year in January, whether you participate or not. But I hope that you do, because I know the impact that it can have in your life when you set aside the first of your year and focus the first of your year uh, on your relationship with, with him. Um, one of the most quoted, memorized, uh, qu- most quoted and memorized scripture that we uh, find uh, in the Bible comes from a sermon that Jesus gave. It's, uh, it's traditionally known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's one of the most famous sermons. It's the best sermon ever written, and it uh, addresses a lot of different uh, content in it. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 6, uh, he, Jesus is really addressing his disciples, and he's talking uh, specifically about prayer. He's teaching them how to pray. And the most memorized scripture, probably in all of scripture, uh, is the Lord's Prayer, right? And, and we know that. I mean, some of you, even if you haven't been around the church very long, or, or maybe not even at all, you've probably heard the Lord's Prayer in some context. And, and so it's so familiar to us, but later on, right, past Jesus, right, right after Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray, there's a section on fasting. And I want us to pick up this morning on that because my hope for you as we go into 21 days of prayer uh, is that as Jesus begins to inform us in why we should fast uh, and uh, how we should fast, all of these things, that there would be a receptivity and an eagerness in all of our lives to step into more of what God has for us. And so I'm going to pick up in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 16. It says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. This is just some basic hygiene stuff here, (laughs) right? Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. So the question really isn't, if we should fast, because this makes it very clear that we should fast. It's not if, it's when. And it's not just when we fast, it's, hey, while you're fasting, maybe don't do these things. These things being, make a public declaration about your fast. Like, walk around and be like, oh, so hungry, I'm so tired, I'm so weak from all of the fasting that I'm doing. Have you ever met anybody like that? They're so annoying. (laughs) They're like, oh, I'm fasting. I'm doing the Daniel fast, and I just can't even function. I'm like, come on. Come on. And and it's not meant to be this public thing. It's kind of like in the same way uh, Scripture talks about our tithes, right? When we give of our tithes and our offerings, uh, you're not supposed to let the left hand know what the right hand's doing or the right hand know what the left hand's doing whichever hand you are. And 
And, and when you put it in the offering, it's not supposed to be this public declaration. It's, it's why we don't put buckets up the front here, uh, which I've actually seen take place, and have you come out of the, uh, of the chairs and come and place your offering in it so that the whole church can see who gives and who doesn't give. Like there's, there's something about that that's, that's not of the heart, but is of the, of the mind or of this insecurity. It's the, the hypocrisy of uh, that takes place in religion, that, that, that's such a religious thing, not a heart thing. And, and in the same way, we don't announce to everybody and like, you know, mess up our hair and, and have dirt all over our face and say, oh, it's so hard. Instead, it's, a, it, it's an act of the heart. So in light of that, not, not sharing you know, about the fact that we are fasting. Let me tell you about a time that I fasted. <laughs> um, no, it's not really a time. Well, it is a time that I fasted, but I want to tell you a little bit about uh, how I learned about fasting. Uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents were pastors, and so I was familiar with the terminology of fasting. Uh, I often witnessed them fasting because they told me about it, which is what they're not supposed to. No, I'm just kidding. They, <laughs> They, they, they fasted at times. And, um, and so in 2007, uh, actually it was 2006, December of 2006, Kelly and I got uh, a phone call uh, that was an invitation to come to Texas and check out this church. At the time, it was called the Church at Stone Oak. Uh, it has since changed its name to Lifehouse. And to come and see if this might be a fit that maybe God was calling us to San Antonio. And for those of you that don't know my wife, uh, she doesn't have the kind of personality that just ups uh, and leaves anything or uproots her life. Uh, she likes stability. She likes uh, things her way. And um, that's not a bad thing. It's just, I don't think it is, but you guys laughed, so maybe that was rude. Um, <laughs> It just, it just means that she, when we got a call that said, hey, how do you feel about moving to Texas? She's like, no. Um, and I said, maybe we should pray about it uh, because I'm the spiritual one in our, uh, no. <laughs> I said, maybe we should pray about it. And so, um, because this was a huge decision. We had two kids. Uh, we were in the process of planting a church in Spokane, Washington, and uh, and so for us, it, it was like our life was headed in a trajectory and in a, a, a direction that now all of a sudden there was something that was going to disrupt this. And so we uh, decided that rather than just say no and reject this offer, that we ought to at least fast and pray about it. And, and I, would, I just want to encourage you that anytime you have a major decision to make, when you need help with the decision, fast and pray. Uh, in the case of our situation, we fasted and we prayed and we came. We didn't get necessarily an answer in that moment, but we did have a strong sense that we were at least supposed to come and check it out. And so we flew down here in February of uh, 2007. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and we knew uh, we had one lunch at Jason's Deli, and we knew at that lunch, we went back to the hotel room, and, uh, and we just both, 
independently had a sense that we were supposed to be here. And, and I knew that if God changed her heart in this, it, it must be a God thing. And that came and began through prayer and fasting. My understanding early on before that of fasting uh, was like this deprivation of food. That you make yourself miserable in order to get something from God. And, and I like food. And so I didn't like fasting. I, I didn't like the idea of depriving myself of something that I like. And, and so it was almost this legalistic thing in my mind of uh, the more pain you endure, the more you go through, the, the more likely God is to give you what you need. That is absolutely not how this works. In, in fact, it's not even uh, related or correlated into our relationship with God because he loves us regardless of whether we fast or not fast. But what I want to encourage you this morning in is some of the benefits and the reasons into why we fast. Uh, to, to make a distinction here between prayer and fasting, uh, I just want to point out that prayer is really the thing that connects us to God. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking more about prayer, about healing prayer, uh, God's miraculous work through prayer. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to address prayer in the next couple of weeks. So prayer connects us to God. But what fasting does, and this is the distinction here that I want us all to hear, fasting disconnects us from the world. That, that's a, a very different dynamic. Fasting doesn't connect you to God. It disconnects you from the world. And it gives you the space and the, the time to connect with God. And it's, it's important that we make that distinction as we go into this, because if we're not careful, you'll be like me, where you're like, well, I got some things that I need from God, and so I'm just going to, I am going to fast and just, you know, believe that God's going to get it done. And I would say fasting without prayer is just a diet. I mean, you can, you can diet, you can remove things from your diet, but if you're not connecting with God, it, all it is is intermittent fasting, right? It's just a diet. It's just keto. It's whatever, whatever it is that you decide to do. But the importance of disconnecting from the world, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, but I think you probably won't be surprised by this, disconnecting from the world right now is more important than ever. There, there is so much noise going on. There's so much fear, disconnecting from the news, disconnecting from uh, disease, disconnecting from sickness and depression and all of the, the, the stuff that's going on, all of the noise of this world to take a season of our life and disconnect from that and connect with God is so important. Fasting isn't about some sort of penance. This isn't punishment for being a Christian, right? It's not, it's not, like, it's not like, well, I, I became a Christian and now I got to pay my dues. I've got to fast. This isn't penance. This isn't legalism. This isn't something that, that, that if you don't do it right or, or you don't, 
do enough that somehow God loves you any less. It, it doesn't work that way. But what would it look like in this season if we could not just go after God, but disconnect from the world? We serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, most of you would know that, but if you don't know that, uh, we serve a triune God, the Trinity. Uh, we are made in the image of God, and so we are made up of three different parts, our body, our soul, and our mind. Our, our, excuse me, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Our body is our body. It's our physical body. Our body is the thing that makes us self-conscious. Our body is the thing that's uh, self-connected. Our body needs oxygen. It needs food. It needs water, right? Our body is the things that I feel when I feel hungry, uh, when I experience pain uh, through hurt. Like, th that is our body. Our soul, our mind, will, and emotions is what makes us happy or sad. Our mind, will, and emotions also tend to uh, uh, address the drifts in our life. We have drifts uh, towards addiction, dr uh, drifts towards uh, depression, or uh, drifts towards lust. Like th there's, there's part of that that uh, in our soul, that in our mind, will, and emotions that drift us towards things that are negative, positive as well, but also negative things that can be hurtful to us. It also plays a part in our body in the sense that our mind, will, and emotions affect our body, right? If you get depressed and you focus on your depression and, uh, and it becomes a chemical imbalance and all of that, it affects your body to the point at which at some point you could take your life because your soul, your mind, will, and emotions have said, forget you, spirit, uh, forget you, soul, I'm just, or forget you, body, I I'm just going to be done with this. And it's why we, in our world right now, uh, see um, suicide, suicide rates climbing and depression rampant. It's when our soul says, forget you, body, forget you, spirit, I'm going to be in charge. My emotions, my feelings are going to be in charge. Your spirit is your connection to God. It's what Romans chapter 8 talks about. Uh, if you haven't read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8, you should definitely do that during your time in 21 days of prayer. Uh, but this is what it says. It says, those live, who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So all three of our parts are at work in our life. But one of these is the strongest in your life. Either your body or your soul or your spirit, one of those is, is the strongest in your life right now. And whenever one of these is the strongest, what happens is it dominates the other two. When your emotions take over, it'll kill the body, potentially, right? You, as I said, you get so depressed or whatever that it's just like, I'm done with you, body. 
I'm done with you, spirit. The beauty of fasting is that you weaken two of them while you strengthen the spirit. And when you pray, it strengthens the spirit. When you fast, it weakens the body and the soul, and you want the spirit part of you to be the strongest in your life. So fasting says, body, you're not in charge. Soul, you're not in charge. I'm committing my spirit right now to you. First John says it like this in the message paraphrase. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. I love the language in that. It's, it's an image that I have, and it's probably a, a non it, It's a technical image that I'm probably wrong about, but I'm going to use it anyways. Uh, I have this understanding, limited, granted, of air conditioning units. And, uh, and I do so because of this facility and all of the air conditioning units we have. My understanding uh, with uh, basic AC knowledge is that you have to have a return vent in order to fill that room with air conditioning. That if you do not have a return vent, what you have is a room that gets so full, it's almost, even though you can't see the air, it's filling it with cold air. And, and without a return vent, there's, you can only cool it so much because there's no other place for the air to go. Anybody uh, confirm this in, my, uh, in the church here? Okay. Yes. Okay. Is that true? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an idiot. I took AC for pastors. Um, so in my uh, crazy mind and analogy, what I see is when all we do is fill our time and energy with the world, there is little to no room for our spirit to be connected with God because there, it's just, there's no space for it. Practically, it goes on, practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, actually has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all it's wanting and wanting and wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. We set aside a season where we are making sure that God gets what he wants in our life. We see a couple different types of, of fasting, not types, but reasons for fasting. One is repentance. We see that in scripture where there's uh, an acknowledgement of a need for repentance in someone's life. And in the midst of their repentance, it, there's prayer and fasting that takes place. There's also help fasting, which is, God, I need your help making a decision whether or not I'm supposed to move to my family to San Antonio, or I need your help in making this big decision, or I need your help for a job or whatever your need is in your life for healing to take place. There's a space for help-based fasting, like we pray and we fast. The Greek word for fasting is nest. Uh, nestie, 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 nestia. It's where we get the word uh, Nestle, Nestle Toll House. 
It's not. It's kind of the opposite of that, actually. Uh, first service laughed at that a little bit harder, and I think it's because they like dad jokes more. That it was a really cheesy, like reference and and it was the only funny thing I have in my whole message today so I'm sorry it means to voluntarily go without food right like we didn't necessarily need that because our understanding of fasting is to voluntarily go without food that we are truly disconnecting from the world that practically there are different kinds of fasts. And in fact, I, I want to just make note, you should have received one of these when you walked in this morning. Um, if you didn't, they'll be available at the welcome counter. Uh, this is the adult version of uh, our prayer guide for this year. Uh, we are doing this with churches, Foursquare churches all across the country, all starting tomorrow. Uh, and it gives you a day-by-day -day scripture. It gives you prayer and reflection as well as, and, and for me personally, this is something new that we have never done in, uh, in our years of doing 21 days of prayer is the family moment. That we're really putting an emphasis this year on as families doing this together. And so we also have uh, this one, which is your children's version of the same thing. And in this one, they get to color it. And we do not. I mean, you can try, but it's already colored for you. They get to color it. It's also uh, age appropriate for their scriptures, uh, but they also have the family moment in there. So even if you uh, leave here this morning thinking, I don't think I need this prayer and fasting thing, your kids are being taught right now about prayer and fasting, and they are going to hold you to prayer and fasting because they're all doing this together. And as a family, you have this privilege to be able to do it. It teaches your kids how to fast, what to fast. Uh, that you'll get, your children will get a, a calendar that looks like this that has family tips on the backside or fasting tips on the backside. Uh, it'll also give you a bunch of resources on this side for how to teach your kids about fasting. Uh, but then there's also a calendar here of things that they can kind of mark off through the 21 days. Uh, and what it is that they're fasting. Uh, you have the privilege to do this as a family together. And, uh, and I think personally, I can't, there's no better way to kick off the year than as a family uh, getting connected to God. So make sure that you walk out of here this morning with that. If you're watching with us online, all of this is available digitally. If you go to our website, lifehousesa.com, click on 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. All the links are there for you to download. Uh, you can print them out at home or you can just use them online as well. So some of the information that you'll get in there uh, and on our website uh, on the different kinds of fasts. And I just kind of want to run through uh, four different kinds of fasts that are available. Um, one is a complete fast. In this type of fast, you just drink uh, liquids, uh, typically water, maybe some light juices, but you go without food. Uh, for people to go 21 days uh, with a complete fast is very difficult. In fact, for some people, their, uh, maybe their bodies or their diets, maybe uh, they have a type of diabetes that doesn't allow that to happen. And like you, you have to do your research on this and determine what it is that you're going to do and what's going to be best for you. Um, but that's a complete fast. A selective fast 
involves removing certain elements from your diet. Uh, an, an example of this is what's historically been known as the Daniel fast. And the Daniel fast uh, is essentially fruits and vegetables uh, and juice and water for fluids. Uh, so not a lot of uh, meats in that. No, no, no meats in that, actually. And uh, one of the ways that you can get proteins through, uh, through the Daniel fast is through beans. Um, but that it creates a whole lot of other issues in <laughs> your life, especially because you're only having fruit and vegetables. Um, there's the partial fast, uh, which is sometimes called the Jewish fast, and it involves abstaining from eating a type of food in the morning and afternoon, right? It, it, it can correlate with specific times of the day or from sun up to sundown, uh, however you want to uh, orchestrate that. And then there's the soul fast, uh, which is a great option for maybe some of you have never done a food fast before. Um, maybe you have health issues that prevent you from doing a food fast, uh, a great way to participate and be a part of this is through a soul fast where uh, you might choose to stop um, uh, using social media, uh, stop watching whatever streaming account you have or TV or whatever. Uh, you eliminate kind of the noise of the world uh, and, uh, and just take a step back from all of that. Um, when you bring that back into your life, uh, I would just encourage you to kind of carefully bring that back into your life, uh, maybe in healthy doses. Uh, but before I move on, I just want to kind of pause there for a second because in between services, this wasn't in my original notes, but in, be, in between services, I had somebody share something with me that I wanted to share with you. That in whatever fast you decide, uh, especially uh, in some sort of food or drinking uh, fast, uh, there's really two things that you have to, uh, two words that are going to be important. Uh, three words, really, because the first word has two words. Uh, it's, the first is brutal honesty. You just have to be brutally honest with yourself. Th that if, if you're thinking even now as we're talking about this and you're, you're like, well, I can't do that. I can't fast this. I can't. You know, I can't abstain from that for 21 days. You have to be brutally honest and ask yourself, why? Why can't you? What hold does that thing, whatever it is, have on your life that's keeping you from fasting it? it, it you understand what I'm saying, right? That, that there's the potential that and not even just in food, but in social media. If you can't shut down social media for 21 days, the question is why? What, what kind of hold does this have in your life that you're unable to, to shut it down? Whether it's drink or food or social media, we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. But the second thing we have to do is we have to forgive ourselves. Because what happens is we get into this and we go in with the best intentions and we want to do it. And, uh, and then when we fail, we decide, well, I can't do it. And we give up. 
You have to be willing to forgive yourself in the midst of this, of, of being willing to say, you know, it's like uh, the example that this person used was uh, brushing your teeth. If you forget to brush your teeth one night, you don't get to wake up the next morning and say, well, I'm just not going to be a person that can brush his teeth. This is not going to happen. Right? You know, you wake up the next morning and what do you do? You brush your teeth. They, the whole point of this is a heart issue. It's what, what controls your heart. And, and if there's something in your life that, that you are fasting and you, you, you maybe fail or you, fal you falter in that, don't give up on it. Work towards that. You may be trying to fast for 24 hours and you, you just keep messing it up. But maybe by the end of 21 days, you finally at a place because you added eight hours here and eight hours here. And finally at 21 days, you're like, I did it. 24 hours and fast. The point isn't the amount of time that you're doing it. The point is that you set out to do something that you are saying, this is about eliminating and disconnecting from the world and connecting with him. And no matter what you choose to fast, there is uh, an element of not just removing something, but replacing it. Replacing it with, with the things of God. Replacing it with your connection with him. I, I want to share with you, and then I'll, I'll close out our time this morning. But uh, it not only disconnects us from the world. I think fasting also uh, fosters and creates an element of alignment with God. It puts us in alignment with him, uh, really in four different ways. The first is in our posture. Because what's the posture that we take when we can control things? Right? We, we take this arrogant, kind of prideful posture when we're in control of everything in our life. But what's the posture that we take when we can't control things? We kind of throw up our hands and be like, I can't figure this out. I'm done. Like I, it's really a posture of surrender. It's kind of this posture that just says, I give up. I, don't, I, don't, I can't do this on my own. And what fasting does is it, it brings us into alignment in our posture. It puts us on our knees in, a, in an element of humility that just says to God, God, I'm done trying to do this on my own. I need you. I need your help. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21 says, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. It's like, I'm just going to fast. I'm going to humble myself before him and say, you lead me. You lead my family. I can't do anything without you, God. The second area is your resolve. Life is hard right now, right? It's difficult. There's just a lot of stuff going on, and, and you can have all the plans in the world and all the midst of the uncertainty and, and all of what's happening, and, and it can be really hard. You can just kind of want to give up. In fact, I was thinking about uh, New Year's resolutions, uh, I was thinking about the fact that on social media, I didn't see, and I'm not on it a lot, but I didn't see this year a lot of people making New Year's resolutions. Like this year, I'm going to be investing in my retirement and getting this, like this is the change. Why do you think that is? 
She goes, we have no idea what this year is going to hold. Like if, any, if history's proven anything, it's that we don't know. The 2020, we're going in, eyes wide open. We got vision. We can't wait to tackle 2020. And it just kicks us. And, and then we go into 2021 and we're like, it's going to be better. It's going to get better. Right? And things just up and down, back and forth, and the noise seems to get louder. And, and now we go into 2022 and we're just like, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm not making any plans. Nobody's making flight arrangements. Like, you know, we, typically with award tickets, you have to book them like eight months in advance. I'm like, nah, we'll just figure it out when we get there. Because there, there's so much uncertainty going into this year that, the, that our resolve to kind of get through it is, just doesn't exist. And yet what fasting does is it aligns us in our resolve with him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training, uh, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified, which was a little bit of a convicting thing for me. So my New Year's resolution this year is to train my body like an athlete so that when I preach, I am not disqualified. <laughs> In other words, your body isn't doing what it should be doing that he needs to get involved, that he needs to be a part of this. And when you start talking about fasting, you start addressing things like, okay, what do I need to remove from my life? And uh, I heard somebody say one time, well, I'm going to, uh, for 21 days, I'm going to eliminate Starbucks from, uh, from my life. I'm going to fast Starbucks. And, and I thought, well, that's fantastic. Like, you, you know what? Um, coffee's addictive. You probably should eliminate coffee. It's expensive. And uh, that would be a great thing for you to fast, you know, not having coffee. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm having coffee. I'm just not going to Starbucks to get it. <laughs> I was like, well, it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. We, we, we fast, fast food or whatever. I was telling my wife, I'm like, I think I'm just going to fast lunch. She's like, you always fast lunch. You never eat lunch. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty easy. A person of fasting. No, it's, you don't get to do the things that you've already kind of eliminated from your life. There's an element of, of fasting that should be a little bit challenging. For some of you, you probably need to fast hunting unless the season's over. And then if the season's over, you need to fast something else. It's a little touchy there for some of you. See, the world is keeping us distracted from what God wants us to do, but whatever he's asking us, and, and by the way, I don't want to, you know, minimize eliminating Starbucks from someone's life. If you, that was you, like, sorry uh, for laughing about it, but I don't want to minimize that because honestly, for some, it's just something as simple as that, it is, it, and it's not simple for you. Everybody's everybody's difficult, everybody's thing that has a control in their life or a priority in their life may be different than others. But whatever it is that you resolve to do with it, whatever you're getting in alignment with, uh, I just want to encourage you to commit to, being a, to, to doing it. Commit to being a part of this together as a, as a church and unity as a church. I believe that this is a pivotal moment in the life of our church 
for us to really step into something that maybe for many of you, you've never done before. And for us to do this as a church, whether you're here in person or online, but that we step in together and that what connects us as a church isn't this building or isn't a a program or an initiative like 21 days of prayer. It's not even the personality that's, that's teaching on Sunday mornings, but that what connects us is the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's the connection that we have in our relationship with God to go into this year filled with hope and excitement of what he wants to do in our life. Create a plan. So commit to it, create a plan so that you know what is it that I'm going to do? What is the thing I'm going to fast? And then prepare yourself. Like today, it starts tomorrow. Prepare yourself today. If you're fasting sugar and candy in your life and you've got a bowl of candy sitting on your coffee table, get rid of it. Don't eat it all tonight, (laughs) but get rid of it. Like, like, get it out of the house. Don't give it to your kids either. They'll never go to sleep. Like, like just remove it from your life. It, some people are like, well, I'm fasting sugar, and so I'm going to put this, this incentive that's going to be there for me at the end of 21 days. That's dumb. Don't do that. Like, like don't incentivize your fasting. It, listen, you can fast, but if you don't have a connection with God, it's just a diet. Don't do that. Fight to the finish. That's the the other part of that is just prepare yourself, but then see it out, but be willing to forgive yourself if you falter along the way. But be honest with yourself. Don't, Don't pick something that's you've already cut out of your life. Find something that is taking precedence in your life. Find something that if you're brutally honest, you're like, I don't know if I can do that. I was telling my family last night, I didn't share this first service, and I probably shouldn't share it this service, but we were sitting around at the table, and we were talking about fasting, and we were having, um, I'm going to preface this by saying we were having a steak dinner, and uh, so we were not on the Daniel fast in that moment. Um, but we were, we were talking about the Daniel fast and what you could have. And it was fruits and vegetables and juices. And, and I said, and wine, because uh, there was some there. And I pointed to it. And I said, and you could have wine because, you know, it's grapes, it's fruit, it's water, from, and it's from the ground. Like, it's, it's available to you. And it's not available to you <laughs> on the Daniel fast. But then the question is, is like, well, could I give that up? And if I couldn't give it up, why couldn't I give it up? I can give it up. Just everybody relax. But if I couldn't, (laughs) but if I couldn't, why? And and I I say that and I present that kind of in a vulnerable way uh, because maybe some of you didn't know I drank wine, but but it's also in the Bible and communion. But, (laughs) um, But for me, it's, it's like, what are the things, like brutally honest, Could you eliminate sugar from your life? Could you eliminate social media from your life? Could you eliminate wine from your life? And some of you are like, no. And the question is, why? Why couldn't we? All right, focus, number three. Your focus, it aligns us with our focus. Acts chapter 13 says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, 
Worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Worship is a huge part of this. In fact, at the end of the month, uh, on the 30th of January, uh, we're, we're going to have our big family meeting and our two services in the morning, but in the evening, we're going to have a time of worship and prayer. It's going to be an extended time of worship. It's going to be an extended time of prayer to come to the culmination and conclusion of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I know technically it starts the next Monday, but uh, we're going to do it on that Sunday night. That's going to kind of be the end for us. And, um, and we just want to worship the Lord. And I hope that we're going to have testimonies to God's faithfulness and provision and miraculous works in your lives, in my life, as to what he's done in the the next 21 days. Uh, Worship, for me, is a huge thing. Pastor Jay talked about this last week, so I won't elaborate too much more on it. But uh, if I could just encourage you to replace whatever it is in your life that you are listening to, if it's talk radio, if it's podcasts, if it's Jason Aldean, is that his name? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, it's country, so I don't know. But um, that's, I think that's what Jay said he listens to. And whatever it is that you're currently listening to, replace it with worshipful music. Like just, just see. Just see what happens. 21 days. See if it changes your mind, will, and emotion, your soul. See if it affects how you think, and how you approach your day, I'm telling you, worship will make a difference in your life. And then finally, the fourth area of alignment is your heart. Joel chapter 2 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Joel knew what it was to fast. Weeping and mourning. That was a joke. But uh, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, bounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. There is a lot of uncertainty when it comes to 2022. A lot. But what we can be certain of is our God, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that we serve a God that wants to be connected to us. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we are saying, God, I am yours. I am completely yours. That this year I am committed to surrender to you. I'm committed to humbling myself before you. That there is no better way to surrender than through fasting and prayer. And then finally, and I'll end, is in Matthew chapter 6. This is the towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has already talked about fasting. He's already talking to, talked about prayer. And he just reminds his disciples who he hears the questions already coming to his way. He says, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Those shouldn't be the things that we're thinking as Christ followers. Those dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. He will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about the uncertainty of 2022. Worry about today. Worry about what's taking place. I I said worry about today. Don't worry about today either. (laughs) But give today to God. Commit today to 
connecting with him in your spirit. Because if you do, it's life-changing. To say, God, I want you more pales in comparison to what I want and what I think I need. It's 21 days. It'll be the hardest 21 days of your life. But it'll make a huge difference as you go into this year. Let's pray.